that also doesn't go there. Tonight, we take a look at some of the remarks that have been made about the upcoming Star Trek card season. Then we'll look at the newest episode of Tulsa King and a look back at Lord of the Rings The Two Towers. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brothers. probably unmute myself there sorry a little bit of a little bit of some issues this evening please bear with us tonight we're going to do a little bit something a little different we're going to open up by addressing some remarks that were made over the weekend on twitter i know every good show starts with something like that right uh for those of you who don't know star trek picard will be debuting its third season on in february and while i was originally excited about this prospect uh, unfortunately, the showrunner <laughs> got a little carried away with some of the discussion. Now, you can kind of see the thumbnail on the side there. And, uh, Corion, if you want to try and pull up that screenshot and I can share it through the stream yard, that'd be great. Um, now, what was said is typically just not acceptable in general. And I'm guilty of, you know, getting a little carried away in, in certain flame wars on the internet. It's easy to forget boundaries and to assume you're a big tough guy when you're hiding behind the safety of a screen. However, as a showrunner myself, I do take a little more personally when I see things that could potentially affect uh, other people in a very bad way. Um... Yeah, now this is just one... Uh, blurb from some of the conversation that ultimately resulted in in remarks that uh, people who don't like what's commonly referred to as new Trek being incels and stupid. Um, this is not okay. And we can all be better than this. I get that, that as a creator myself, I understand criticism can suck. And I also understand that regardless of what you try to do, sometimes there's just no escaping criticism. Um, and that's, is what it is for those specific people who don't want to, uh, who just want to spew and troll. And, and I mean, there's definitely a lot of those out there. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, that, you know, you have to put up with all forms of criticism. However, there is a difference between those who express their grievances specifically and what aspects they have an issue with when it comes to something on, on pop culture related. And there are those who do trolling for the sake of trolling. Uh, this particular individual here was discussing some of the issues that she had with the uh, new looking, the new Trek style Klingons, the Klingorks, as they're sometimes referred to. I myself, not a huge fan of that artistic decision. Um, and it is what it is. So, gentlemen, this is a showrunner for a property. Um, and, and I also do want to point out, too, the biggest problem with New Trek, and this isn't just Terry's issue, this has been an issue with all the showrunners all the way up to Kurtzman, is you're behaving like you've earned all of this. You're acting as though you, you, you actually created the success of Star Trek, and the reality is Trek wasn't... 
the, the, I, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm finishing up my thought real quick, and then I'll open the panel. Um, the thing is, this is, these IPs were inherited. And when you have an inheritance, it, you can do one of two things. If you inherit a company, you can either squander that inheritance, have zero respect for how it was established, mistreat the people who brought it to its success, and assume that because you have, you inherited the product that you are better than everyone. Or, you can respect what you've been given. You can be respectful to the fans. And this is the other thing, Terry. This is really more of an appeal, not so much a, you're horrible and I hate you. I don't do that stuff anymore. Uh, this is this is an appeal to say, look, you, you actually, first of all, my advice, one, when you're dealing with trolling style criticism is to just don't say anything. That's the smartest, easiest approach. However, we have an opportunity with the way that information flows these days to really bridge the gap between fan criticism and showrunners in a more positive light that can hopefully improve products overall and and be better for everyone. So that's really what I what I want to encourage here in, in, in moving forward. What's said is said, what's done is done, and we don't need to beat the bush anymore because I'm not coming from this as a point of someone as an authority. I'm coming from this as somebody who has made these mistakes before just not on this grandest scale and i can recognize the opportunity that's presented between us and the fans as well as the showrunners now of course you could look at us the writer brothers little channel with 104 subscribers who are we we're nobody and again if that's your attitude that's the wrong way to look at it because we're not doing this to like i said we're not doing this to try to come down hard it really is an olive branch of, look, let's just start some dialogues. Let's have some discussions. So with that, gentlemen, why don't we have some dialogues and discussions on your thoughts on this, and, and we'll proceed from there. I actually can't hear Parker. Or on the YouTube side. Oh, now I can't hear Parker. Oh, there we are. There we go. Okay, sorry about that, guys. Um, should oh, I start again? Now we're back. Okay. Yeah, start yeah. over. All right. So, uh, who? For anyone who doesn't know, I'm a big fan of Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash's big love interest in his life was June Carter. June Carter got into a, got a lot of flack for many many years after her divorce by very timely individuals at that time that felt divorce was a, a terrible, terrible thing and felt the need to tell her about that and it actually accosted her in a grocery store. You know what she said to the individual who basically said, you know, like, divorce is wrong and, and you're a terrible person for getting a divorce? She said, well, ma'am, I'm very sorry you feel that way, but I really do hope that you'll choose to continue to listen to my music and uh, continue to, to listen to what I say in it. And I hope that you can find that while we may disagree on some things, 
at the very least, my artistic vision is coming through in my music. And hopefully that can give you some, some comfort. And that was probably the best I've ever heard of somebody responding to criticism about somebody else's life. Because it was very polite. It was very, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not going to try to fight you on the issue. But I am going to try to point you towards what I want you to look at. Rather than my personal life. This is absolutely the correct way to handle situations where you disagree with somebody. When they say, look, I'm really not a big fan of the writing. Or I'm really not a big fan of the appearance of how a certain set of characters is being done. Is the response is, well, I'm really sorry you feel that way. Uh, for Picard Season 3, we've gone with Worf in the original way he was depicted on screen. I really hope you enjoy that depiction and that you'll continue to give the show a chance because I'm really hoping that someday I'll get a fourth season as well. And leave it at that. That is the classy, you know, verbal judo way of getting around this damn problem. But did she choose to go that way? No. She chose to pick a fight. And the only thing that you're going to get from picking a fight and being insulting is people are going to be insulting back and you're going to get their dander up and nobody wins exactly we all lose go ahead john i would take this just right to their door and show them that they're building the exact same house that they say they're escaping because a lot of new trek is run by the people that claim the old trek wasn't inclusive enough and, and that old media wasn't inclusive enough and now here they are, which is a load of crap, ostracizing and stigmatizing their community just because. And, and this is something I think that we should acknowledge is that there are Karens in every group. And I have no doubt that some of those Karens are actively um, like in the Trek fan base, sending horrible letters that really shouldn't ever be sent. And to those people, I say, stop. Because like no 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 I got a I actually got a other fans I got a better response to that John I like where you're going with you yeah no I love where you're going your head's in the right direction I would just say I would amend what you said just a little bit instead of saying stop I would like to say that any fan who uses death threats slurs can't articulate an argument past f you does not represent me as a Star Trek fan, and I think it's safe to say it doesn't represent the majority of Star Trek fans, whether they be legacy fans who are diehards for the, the 735 Club, or whether they love all of the new Trek. Here, here's what it ultimately comes down to. Gene Roddenberry would expect better of all of us. He would expect right. and, all and, of us to come to the table and have that discussion, and that's what we're trying to do with this message here today. And, and I'm sorry if it doesn't come out right. I am a little sick. I, I'm I'm sorry. Well, well, again, to those to the point of those those people writing those letters. If you have the time to sit down and write the letter, write the right one. Write the one that actually cuts deep by dissecting the writing and attacking specific points within the show where the story arc doesn't match where the characters don't match because like if they start getting all this hate mail and it's oddly specific to actual scenes then suddenly it's like they can't call you an incel because you're not being mean you're being specific you're being logical yeah all right let's and go ahead and uh... in the case of roddenberry and, and hell i i would logical even logical in your destruction of their i, I would hor even horrible product I would even add in that, look, New Trek is pitching you so many softballs to take it apart and complain about how terrible the writing is. It's not like it's, they're making it difficult to, 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 uh, for you to articulate 
where you see the problems, right? I mean, we all have friends well, on the panel out. who have referred to it as the fractal of suck. Like, the shout deeper you look at it, the more suck you find. Shout out to the chat real quick. Rami apparently has decided to jump in and see what we're all talking about. Yeah, the, 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 one, the one good thing... The wrong way with the, the comment. The, the one read the actual thing. Well, and, and you know what? You know, since she's here, I'll just go ahead and say, too, the one good thing that did come out of this was I did get to meet a cool new friend who has graced our show with her presence, but I do want to catch up on the fan mail real quick. Skogliotin writes in, uh, caught myself more and more as of late, or as of lately, just deleting comments before processing send and not getting involved anymore and letting it slide. Uh, me too, man. Totally been doing the same thing quite a bit just in the last few years because it's like you really got to think of what your end game is and whether or not it's worth it. Skogliotin follows up then too. Uh, I would like to fancy myself to because or to become a bit of a leader in the community, and because of that, now I have a responsibility to be better. Yep, same here. I'm failing at being better. Um, let's see, then we have the issues about being muted. Skogli says, immediately better for my mental health. Benefits have been undeniable. Same, man. I, I think we're vibing on the same thing here. Uh, technical issues, technical issues. And then, uh, yeah, Rami writes in, I wonder if it was obvious that I meant the new Trek crowd didn't like female opinions and not the people disagreeing. Man, Kozakuala writes in, Hollywood is going so woke that they aren't even giving females their opinions anymore. No. Look, the the primary issue I have here is I'm with Discovery. I'm waiting to see what happened because, and, and this is going to be the fun argument. And I'm I'm telling you right now, this is coming. Okay, just be aware this is going to happen. See, for Michael Burnham to be the bestest ever, right? She has to get farther than Kirk, but I mean, Janeway got made an admiral as well. So, you know, she got she has to get to at least the admiral section. But if she wants to be the bestest ever, there's one captain she's got to get beyond. Cisco's a god at the end of this period. <laughs> Just putting it out there, you got to get past Cisco in your your better than thou attitude. Otherwise, you're still going to be second rate. And I dare you, Discovery, to make that happen. And, and, and I ask the question, why are you going for better than all of these people and not just different? Like, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but like one of my favorite things about the ease of streaming media is the ease of so many new characters and stories to follow and listen to. Whereas, like, all these writers are like, I have to compete with the people before me, and they weren't even competing with each other. They were focused on writing different, not better. Just yeah. different. Because, like, the standard of good is the goal always. So writing better than good depends on how nice and, like, lovable your character is, not how awesome they are according to the scoreboard of non-existence there is no rocket league like leaderboard going on here nobody's actually comparing the writers of tos to uh everything else i like y we don't even compare and contrast like we're sitting here and we're rewatching deep space nine and we've watched next generation and we've watched enterprise we've watched some of discovery we've watched picard and we're like we're, we're not here to compare and contrast good writing we're here to explain why this is good 
yeah and, and why we love this this and, one and, and, and we tried with Kurtzman we literally went episode by episode and it just hurt yeah <laughs> and, and I'm also going to say this even in Deep Space Nine episodes that we felt missed the mark we offered ideas on how we would have improved it too right we tried to build it up and build a case for future writers to be able to examine this examine our suggestions and learn and grow right and, and we gave credit where credit was due yeah absolutely. we always try to like when everything else is great like costumes cgi animation when those things are on point like we we noticed we shouted oh, yeah. it out and, and we still do and 100 percent, the first i would argue three or four episodes of strange new world were absolutely really good episodes they were right? definitely heading the right direction yeah I, I, absolutely and you know i'm gonna be honest with it right like I, i've been fair with it i mean personally i thought the cabins were too big but i think that's a reasonable argument and i'm not saying that the problem is the writing because the writing was actually good because because the cabins were too big oh sorry well what does it say because I, the cabins were too big the show's just the worst ever so that's it done all right moving on so tulsa king no i'm just kidding <laughs> no but I, I was honestly saying that look this is a set dressing issue right this isn't a the the entire series is terrible because of one thing i'm saying this could be fixed this is not a hard thing to fix right there's a lot of stuff like that where i'm sitting there going you know there are many minimal things that could be changed to correct the nitpicking that we have but i freely admit at the end of the day it's nitpicking right absolutely and that's just it uh, we are not going to try and adjust our views so that we get likes and we get you know uh more hits we are here to give honest feedback on everything we watch and that's just it we've had productive discussions in doing that like prey i think was some of our best discussion because corion your opinion got changed because john offered different perspectives you guys both gave me better perspective on predator since i had only seen it for the first time um, Cozy Koala writes in, off break, have a great show, y'all. Thank you, Cozy Koala, for tuning Thank in. We're, we love, love it when our fans spend our your break times with us. Uh, that really right. means a lot. Uh, of all places you could spend on the internet, the fact that you come to our little show really, really means the world to us. Um, so, yeah, and, and that's, that's just it. And we're not doing feedback because we want to have an excuse to hate things. I've lived that. I used to be that way a lot growing up. I thought I was so cool because I could find things wrong with stuff, and anyone who disagreed with me was obviously an idiot. I now realize that my opinions and my perspectives are uniquely mine, and everybody else's opinions and perspectives are uniquely ours, yours. That's part of the motivation we have for restoring respect in a discourse, and and really, that's that's you know, depending on how things go over the next couple months, we probably will still try to review Picard season three. I'm very excited to see one seven zero one F on the big screen or not the big screen. I keep saying the big, it's going to be a big screen in my house, but I mean like just to have it canonized. I love that ship. That's my favorite ship in the game easily hands down. So I still give me a reason. I, it's not that hard. Just say that you're at least going to listen to productive. And here's the other thing too. Yes. It's going to be hard sometimes when you try to reach out to a fan that's giving backlash and ask, all right, why do you not like this? Why do you think this is bad? And if they, you know, go with the usual talking points you're expecting, fine. Walk away. 
you've at least done more in that instance than anybody has up to this point because you at least tried. But don't give up. Don't assume that that one bad fan interaction is going to be the rest for all of it because it won't. Because you're going to find other fans. You're going to find a lot of good fans out there. And I mean, that's part of, you know, even what we're doing with our little production. We're still finding our audience. And we understand that... I understand TWB is not going to be for everybody. And I accept that. Same with Galaxia. I get there's going to be criticisms for that. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to listen to the F off, kill yourself, and don't ever do this anymore crowd. Because I dealt with that in high school. I don't care anymore. I'm living my life. I'm doing my show. No amount of bad thing is going to change that. And that's really the reality for Terry as well. You have a chance. We want you to be better. We want your shows to improve. That's our goal with the Ryder Brothers is to help people, to help make the quality of content better. John, you had a thought. Please go ahead. Yeah. Well, so for me, like, the biggest thing is, like, a lot of people talk about, like, where's the good the news that's, like, the good news? Where's, where's the people talking about the stuff they love? And, and that's really, like the other part of this show that we really focus on like we're going through deep space nine not because we're super into the idea of analyzing all things star trek we're going through that one first well because it's considered one of the best yeah we like to analyze everything it's not just star trek we're like we're, we're not focused on on one form of media because we're also watching the tulsa king which is a modern gangster flick we're also like following all these other shows lord of the rings a fantasy has nothing to do with star trek like our biggest goal is to highlight what we loved and why we loved it and why the formula worked like if star wars isn't especially the original a new hope if that isn't considered proof that just following the standard hero's journey formula is enough to revolutionize the media industry like instead change the way the people act along this standard not necessarily change the standard and try to hope that you can fix your wally world roller coaster and and that i think is something that really needs to be like recognized is these other people weren't great because they were following some patriarchal dogma they were great because they were following a, a structure that was combined and created and choreographed by a lot of independent writers, thinkers, critics, people started making this work. And at that point, it's just like any other building, just use it to its appropriate use. And, and I, th- I think that's something that we, we do here better than I've seen in a lot of places, is that as soon as the bad does start getting too bad for us and we can't be nice anymore, we just turn it off. We stop talking about it, CROB1 discussion see our halo discussion like when people keep asking where's the good news where's the good talks that's what we provide and and that's what we're even doing here like with terry like we're we're the fans that are absolutely horrified at what you've done so far but based on the way we talk to all of our other fans and the way we talk we're willing to like logically explain why we were horrified like like we will autopsy with you and, and show you what you got wrong and why you didn't think it like why it didn't work and we'll even help you help your idea make sense because like we understand that people love characters that they're working on and they really don't want to let their babies die so we'll help you not have to absolutely like, that's the writer brother's goal yeah 
I mean, let, let's be Very honest. Very well said, John. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. They literally lost us from Strange New Worlds when they when they tried to do a Star Trek version of the movie Alien. And, you know, we kind of sat down and we're like, look, Hammer's one of the best people you have on this crew. The one that we really actually really want to follow along with, with you know, uh, Pike's, you know, uh, Pike played by Anson Mount. You know, we like these guys. We want to see more of these guys. We were even warming up to the different take on Lahura, which we're starting to get behind. But you got to give us more of that and less of blatant taking from classics and more coming into your own, right? If anything, that's what the Orville did better than I think a lot of other shows out there was it started as a... I'm going to make my own Star Trek with, you know, hookers and blackjack and turned it into something unique and turned it into something special. And I think just that, edibles is what he and, used. But anyway, and, and well, yeah, fair. A really, and, and suffered a really long like opening. So many people were so horrified that it was just family guy in space that nobody gave it a chance until finally it came out with season three and people were like, Okay, I'm going to watch this. Like, I had a friend who hadn't seen seasons one and two ever until we did the season three discussion. And he was like, I'm so glad I finally watched that show because it was funny the whole time. And I was like, you're the kind of guy that would have watched this originally. He's like, yeah, I just thought it was going to be family and I didn't want that. So I want to address that actually real quick because that is one of the things that a lot of other potential Orville fans get hung up on is season one just, you know, being family guy in space. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is. Now, the reason it's Family Guy in Space is because that's what Seth had to pitch in order to get the uh, the show off the ground. And if he hadn't, then it probably wouldn't have worked out. Now, speaking of getting even, shows... Oh, go ahead. Even though he had to do that, he did also use that to build everything. He did Family Guy in Space, but instead of having those rabbit trails that mean nothing, they actually have all been cleaned up by Season 3. To the best of their possibility. So it's still, it's not even wholly family guy in space. Like he's a very good writer, but he was like cut at the knees because of that. And that's the part that like really bothers me about people like Terry is like somebody like Seth wanted this position, wanted this writing gig. And you come in and you disrespect the fans that he loved and is considered one of. And that's what hurts it's like when the popular kid gets the award and then tells everybody that participated to go f themselves like you're just as bad as all the other bullies now yeah I uh, would, unfortunately I, I would actually argue that they might be the worst bully because not only are they the bully but they're the bully who literally has all the power in the situation and supposedly yep. a history of growing up bullied. So they know how detrimental their actions actually are yep. and do them anyways. I mean, look, my personal opinion, what needs to be done with Trek as it stands right now, when it comes to Discovery, when it comes to basically the new, the quote unquote new Trek timeline, is I really think that a reunion episode of Enterprise, because they got the worst ending of any series really I feel a, renew a, a return episode to Enterprise would be viable and we have Enterprise set the timeline right because they dealt with all sorts of temporal shenanigans anyway 
So have a reunion episode, have them fix the timeline, have them save the day, have it implied that they go on to further adventures that can be looked at in beta canon. And in doing so, we started over and we take a look at what we could do with an optim with a legitimately optimistic future where they're not swearing to sound cool where yeah uh, have... since since you're on that I'll go ahead and read yeah, re- read the it. fan mail uh Rami writes in it's a dystopia the characters use profanity like teenagers saying it to be cool it's violent for no reason it's constantly cahart or chaotic like you're in the or like you're on the verge of a panic attack no one has fun I sadly have to agree, but that doesn't mean we can't salvage this. Yeah, I mean, personally, that's what I would do, is I would want to restart. I would want to start with a blank slate. Well, I don't even think we'd have to necessarily do that, because the way I see it, and I think this might be the way forward, um, I'll let you guys, I'm going to put the idea out there, and I'll let you guys think about it. I see Star Trek as more, at this point, I see Star Trek as a multiverse anthology series, in that each show is its own timeline. So what happened in the original series also happened uniquely to its own. Like, I, I, I personally put the original series as the Holy Trek set apart from the rest. But then going on from that, each show has those events of those past shows that take place in it, but it's something new. This idea was kind of brought up with Enterprise when they introduced the Temporal Cold War because Enterprise is actually technically a sequel to Voyager, not a prequel, because of all the Temporal Cold War stuff yeah and since time time travel shenanigans are no no stranger to star trek i think the best way to do it would be to go look each fan because and this is this is just the way it is regardless of of whether people want to adopt or accept multiverse anthology or not each fan decides their own canon at the end of the day each fan decides what they'd get out of a series show or movie and what applies to them. Like, I have my own Star Wars canon. I think that Knights of the Old Republic is the greatest Star Wars story ever told. I will die with that idea on my head. Hopefully not anytime soon. But the point being, we can get through... Uh, we can move past this because there's people who only love the original series. There's people who only think TNG is the greatest and that the original series and everything else is bad. I know, I was kind of blown away by that too, but... Everyone's perspective is unique. Everyone has a unique idea on this. So I think if we if we keep that in mind that you know what each new series will just kind of be its own little thing that 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 takes place in in the entire multiverse of Star Trek, I think that might be the best way to bridge the gap or at least a way we can go about it. And so that's that's just how I view Star Trek. But uh, let's go ahead and quickly wrap this up and then we'll move on to Tulsa King. Okay, just real quick, what my idea would be when you do the start over is actually to do a full on um, a, a full-on anthology series where it's a different ship every week with a different crew every week um, dealing with a different style problem every week. So, like, we have, like, a Lower Deck-style comedy episode. We have, like, a, you know, Klingon ship episode. We have a exploration on the edge of forever kind of ex- uh, kind of episode. And what you do is with that season or two of doing that anthology series is you very closely watch what the market responds to. And then your next series, the the one you're legitimately going to take forward as your real plan, is based on the fan feedback of what they liked. And go from there. Because I feel like at this point, I think the disconnect between what Paramount believes the fans want, what the fans even believe they want, and what they actually want is pretty significant. 
So I think without empirical testing, we're never going to get a decent answer. And the best way to do that is with an anthology series where we do a little bit of a variety hour and everybody gets to figure out what they like and we can have a direction for Trek going forward based on democracy, which is kind of a foreign concept, but uh, it might work. And, and that's how I felt that we, that's felt that's what things were going already with having all these different shows. I mean, that was the whole reason they started Strange New Worlds, which for me personally, after all is said and done right now, it, to me, it's the Nick Jr. version of the original series. Um, but hey, we'll see what season two brings, I guess. Um, I think that's it, but that's that's just more of, of what I think they're doing, but they just they need to branch out and diversify the series. And I think what you just suggested is the best way to do that. I mean, I think that's what Disney tried with Star Wars Visions. Um, yep. I only watched the first one because I was like, yeah, that's my show. I'll just wait for that one to come out. Um, but I think that would that, what's funny is I've actually kind of contemplated that idea too to put that in the Star Trek online universe and then have like just different pieces and then you could even have stuff interact with the game but that's yeah, that's another discussion for another time the point is we can all do better we're willing to try to be better we we, we don't you know restoring respect in the discourse isn't a cool slogan to sell t-shirts even though we're probably going to sell t-shirts um we really mean it and so when you guys come here anyone working on star trek star wars whatever we're going to give you honest feedback it's probably not going to be feedback you like it's probably not always going to be what you want to hear, but it will always be honest and true. And we are never going to try to berate you or make you feel less of a human just because you had an idea, you shared it, and maybe it's not popular. We want to help improve. That's so that's what we Discord. want. Hit us up in the chat. Because yeah. like it, it, for me personally, if I were if I were to do something to like reach out to a group and I was going to write their you know fan thing is i would just reach out to them and ask them about the actual show and pitch ideas back and forth not necessarily you know like getting rid of like sharing ip or or you know exposing future scripts but instead just asking like hypotheticals like well i want a captain character and i was thinking that they would do this and then the fans that you're talking to would be like well here's why that doesn't work and you, from there, you take that information and you apply it to all of your future captains because what your fans have is the Library of Alexandria. They know why everything works and they constantly talk about how it worked and why it worked and how it all connects. And they talk about all the through lines that even an experienced writer, if they're not a fan, could never have noticed because fans are the ones that were paying attention the whole time, while even an experienced writer doing personal analytics, trying to find the right way to write the show. Like, the fans are the ones that cared more than you do. And, and so respect that. Use them as, as a resource of, of everything. I, I want to write ensigns that are funny. Is that cool? Well, yeah, but you're going to want to make sure they mature by the time they're lieutenants, because being a lieutenant is way more about being an adult who's mature. Oh, thanks. I needed to know that. That's what you get when you just ask people vague questions about their favorite thing. They'll give you all the rules, and it's not mansplaining. It's the rules according to the universe they love. And that's why they love the universe is because the rules have held true the whole time. Structure, foundation, it matters. Especially yep. in yep. fictional writing. Because otherwise, it's just imagination, and we all get made fun of for liking it. Yeah, and I also want to just say, too, the criticism's a two-way street on this network. 
if there's stuff or ideas that you have to try to help us improve, we'll listen. We might not necessarily apply them. We might not follow all of them. But we're not above be we're not above criticism here. We want to bring a quality product to our fans and our potential new fans, and and that's that's what we want to have: good discussions, good debates, uh, good chat interactions. If that's what's necessary, or if not, that's fine. If you guys like listening to us talk, we're here to put on a show for you for you all. I love doing this. And John, I don't know what you're drinking or smoking tonight, but holy crap, is it working for you? Or I'm just really sick today. I don't know. Uh, you uh, made well, some solid yeah. solid points. And, and I'm also going to say this to to bring up, you know, like to enter facts into evidence to prove our point. If you go back through my videos on my channel, you will see people commenting about things to improve. And I went ahead and did them. And everyone and the response to their feedback was me going, oh, OK, I'll give that a try and see what what happens. Thank you very much. Or, OK, uh, I it didn't quite work out the way I wanted to this time. I'm sorry, I'm going to try again harder next time. And you know what? Then when I got it right by my by my fandom, everybody suddenly went, hey, you know, this works. And I felt like I was in the community again. Right. And I felt great because people were getting the getting what I was trying to put forward. So we we do do this. We're willing to have that happen. And you know what? It's not too bad to occasionally listen to fans and if there's a reason why you don't like something they're putting forward, it's not terrible to say something like, well, I have something planned for next season as to why I really can't do this. And I can't wait for you guys to see why, but I promise this will pay off. Just give it some time. And you know, there are a lot of people that are going to accept that as a reasonable answer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just always remember there's going to be people that don't. That's why we have words like mature and immature. Yep. You're playing with a community. You're going to also unfortunately get the worst parts of the community, but please stop believing that that's the whole community. Most of us want the best thing and none of us want this thing to die. We don't, we don't want this to die because you took it over and then we burned you at the stake. That's why we work with the witch to prove that we work with everybody and we don't want anybody burnt. We want everything. We want all the stories. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, I don't want to feed these guys to the lions, right? I mean, you know, it, it's the same kind of idea, right? You know? Uh, yeah, because, I, I, I mean, like, I'll, I'll come out and say it. Because the Coliseum's missing. This is this is the other reason why I believe Trek to be a multiverse anthology is for that exact reason because the I'm starting to look at some of the criticism and go you're ruining everything you ruined my childhood and I'm like guy just if you don't like it just don't watch it and just leave it at that I mean if that's really you know how you feel and because you, they can't unmake the originals nothing they do no canon changes they do is going to is going to magically go back and somehow unmake the original movies and all the stuff we loved growing up it's all still there we want to try and get back to that i agree but we got to do it we just we got to throw each other bones so terry no hate from us at all we want we want to have conversations i know orville nation really wants to talk to you as well so you're not going to get hate or animosity you get some disagreements we'll give you some honest feedback on stuff but at no point are we going to make you an individual feel belittled. At least we don't want you to feel that way. So and then yeah. that's why we'd never ask for you to be fired. 
now. Never ask for any of your team to be fired. In, in any of our recordings. Like you, you know what? That, that, I'm going to I'm gonna come out. I'm going to admit to. I, I used to be on that train, and I am I was wrong yeah. to do that. Which is, which is like our biggest goal is to change that. We're When we're saying restoring respect into discourse, we are attempting to be the standard. And, and it is a lot harder than I thought. And, and this is actually a point to Scoglioten's point earlier. But like the, a lot of people talk about like uh, getting rid of comments and not commenting. And for me, the thing that worked was, wait, why am, why am I writing this? And nine times out of 10, it's, oh, it's because I'm pooping. <laughs> I, I needed something. So, so your do, head's so in I, a I shitty space anyway. Add, yeah, exactly. And I was, I was going to add a comment to nothing to nobody because I had nothing better to do. And, and when you know, I remember that, it's like, okay, now make sure does this comment matter? And sometimes it does. Sometimes I was writing a really nice thing to a good friend. Other times I was writing something that meant nothing to nobody except for me. And I just closed it and went to go find another meme. And, yeah, and, and that, and, yeah. Uh, like, no, that's kind of where I'm at. When I'm starting to engage the big discussions, I'm like, can I be doing something better? Oh, yeah, there's people in Swotor need to be stopped. All right. Well, the, uh, Arende the writes thing in. Is why? If you just ask yourself why, and then you have to explain it to yourself, you're like, oh, I'm dumb. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, Randy writes in, hey, sorry I'm late. Got completely sidetracked by Dwarf Fortress. Amazing game. Hey, uh, oh, totally yeah. valid excuse. We're glad you're here at all. All right. Yeah. Tulsa King. Ooh, Ooh, boy. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and start us off, Corion? Oh, man. All right. So, Dwight heads back to New York to bury his brother. Um, you know, which, as you can imagine, is particularly hard given the, uh, the family dynamic of him not talking to anybody in the family for over 20 years. But he seems to be attempting to make amends, and his daughter's having a hard time with that. Meanwhile, back in Tulsa... um. You know, we have the the gang response, the biker gang response. Turns out they've got the local police in their pocket, and they go after our boy. They went after my boy and arrested him for no damn reason, simply because they could, and messed with him simply because they could, because their ultimate objective was to figure out who the heck Dwight was and why he was on their turf. So, you know, they're starting to make their moves, Dwight finds out that some terrible things happened to his daughter based while he was away and then decides to make a, a decides a to decides to win father of the year. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what the consequences of that is. Yeah. Uh, yet another, I mean, episode four was okay. You know, a little bit of a action-y sort of filler episode. Those are going to happen in stories. I <laughs> believe me, I know all about filler. I wrote a whole book. Okay. Well, um, I actually it, have something to say. Go on for that. it. Four was not filler. Four. four you know what? You forgot to do your homework last week. Why don't we? Why don't we want, rewind know, a little bit and so you I, start I, us I over? I watched it to fill it in. No, so I, I watched it to fill it in. But like it wasn't filler; it was the main conflict. Hold on, one one second. So in love with the one, exposition. One second, I want to address the family that just came in. Scoglioten says, "All of a sudden, I'm envisioning Dwight Schrute, bro. I don't know what wavelength you're on, but I think we're on the same one tonight. Because damn." But all I was saying is, I I, I think we're so enthralled with the exposition. And we're actually loving how much information we're getting from it that, like, when the main story hits, we're like, ah, yeah, it's kind of a filler episode. 
But that was the whole, like, that was the first episode where there was almost not a single flashback. And, and I will say for the record that if episode four winds up being the weakest episode of this series, I will be insanely happy with this series for all time. Because it's like, when your worst episode is still a solid eight out of ten. And belongs in the story to actually, you know, keep giving it gas. Right? I mean, that like, says something, right? <laughs> like, I feel like that's a... Because, like, 5, yes, 5 was 10 out of 10, just so fun. But, like, I rewatching 4, I was like, okay, I do get why everybody thought this was filler, but it's the exact opposite. This is actually, like, this is a gas stop. <laughs> Yeah, All right, I'm, I'm open to an explanation. Fire, like, Oklahoma. I, I would agree. Okay, I so, like, wh- when have we met anybody that's actually pit themselves against Dwight? So far, everybody that's met Dwight has been like, oh, man, this guy's a gangster. Cool. And then now, finally, the bikers are like, no, that's not cool. We're the gangsters. And then that was all episode four was, was like, here is the main bad guy. And then episode five was like, you guys really screwed the pooch. But also, here's another giant exposition dump, and we're like, this is so cool. Well, I mean, I, I would say that um, episode four was like setting up the tea for the T-ball. Um, you know, getting giving us the ball to hit it out of the park um, for right, but, the next episode. But it, it still was the introduction to the main antagonist. Oh, absolutely. This is And really we just where... glossed over that as filler. Yeah, no. Honestly, this is where the plot starts. I'm not... this Like, episode four is where the real plot begins. I'm not disagreeing with that. What I'm saying is... I f- it felt like filler. It wasn't, but it felt that way. Right, and that's what makes yeah, it I think so that's much what, Yeah, I think that's how I feel. Is... It, it 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 felt like filler, but it was literally the introduction to the antagonist, and we're so bent on the exposition, we're so bent on getting to know Dwight as a character, the character development, that like we didn't hardly notice that the main antagonist is actually here. Like, from episode one, we've kind of been like, who's actually going to pit themselves against Dwight? And then episode four comes, and we just completely glossed over it. And if that's not great writing for a big reveal that this gang is just much more involved than we understand, then, like, like I don't know. I, th- I think we're going to come back to episode four and be like, wow, we got tricked thinking that was filler. Oh, uh, hey, man, look, like I said, if if out of ten, right... We consider episode four like an eight out of ten, and that's the weakest episode of this season. I'm that's sorry. Could you amazing. could you give your rating again, well, no, please? I I, th- I think the weakness is not the quality of the episode. I think the weakness is a red herring. Like we're supposed to think of that as filler, and then when we go to the end yeah. of the like season, we realize how big that episode actually mattered to the whole story. And that's what makes it even better writing, putting it all the way to seven and seven, because it distracted us. Yeah. Like it intentionally subverted our like expectation. And if yeah, it, and I'm hope like that's what I'm saying, is like I'm hoping. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I get that, and I'm hoping along the same way. Yes, I know, we use a 7 base rating system. Okay, so, like, if every other episode in this is I, a 7 out of I, 7, I, this is a 6. I for- so I apologize, but there it is. I um, forgive you, Corey. Well, I was going to say 5 is what episode 4 felt more to me, but I yeah, forgive okay, you so because we haven't actually gone, we haven't done a rating on anything in a while. I mean, that's yeah. how good the content we've been reviewing has been, has been like, oh, no, it's just good, watch it. You know, we haven't felt the need to, I haven't even, we've had general discussion, like, consistently for the last, I think, 12 or 13 weeks. We haven't done the what we did or did not like, um, and and so it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. Um, so. So yeah, that that's where I'm at, right? Is like if this feels like the weakest episode of the season, like if four feels like the weakest episode of the season, and it and it, you know, and at the end of the season when we review the whole thing, we go, yeah, okay, maybe this was. It's still a frigging amazing series overall, and every episode has had great twists and turns that I've loved. Honestly, the the pure father of the year moments coming from Dwight in episode five. Oh man, they were great. And I can only imagine after this little voyage to New York, when he finds out what's been going on in Tulsa, what's going to happen to the individuals that have been involved. I can only imagine he's going to arrange a meeting between him and the head of this biker gang. And I can only imagine what that's going to look like, but I suspect it's going to involve a, you know, a very classically mob meeting that ends in the person being very surprised by being dead at the end of it. Well, I was, I was telling H Marie too, the whole thing with, with the last scene where they bring, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I, I only know him as Gilfoyle. I only know him as Gilfoyle in uh, in Silicon Valley, the pot shop owner. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He uh, when they brought him to the bar, and and the bar owner just yeah, basically tells him, "Nah, piss off. You're on. You're on. You're on hey, native man. land. You need to. You need to. You don't have no authority here." First of all, I love those scenes. I love watching corrupt, power hungry idiots get dressed down. It's a lot of fun. They also have it coming. Uh, also, I, it, it tells me their honor. Yeah, exactly. And, and and still wears the badge deserves to be put in their place by anyone who can. Yeah, I have a different word that I'm not going to utter on this show for those types of people, but I'm just going to call them badge tyrants for safe, you know, for PG-13 ratings. Um, that was the that was the PG definition of that word. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into rebranding in a few more years. Um, but anyway, for the purpose of this discussion, that right there, but the fact that he had that kind of, of response, and then his response was immediately to go, all right, so tell me what's going on. That indicates to me that Dwight has actually built himself up a lot stronger behind the scenes. And that we don't know, and that's what we're going to see happen probably in the next couple episodes, the rest of this season as it resolves, is we're going to oh, actually oh. see the clash take place very soon. Oh, I'm going to say for the record, I'm calling it the... now. Oh. I'm calling it now. That restaurant owner is going to be his capo. Oh, oh definitely. I, I don't I don't think so. I think the restaurant owner is going to be a partner because the 
the way that Dwight like found each of these people is it was according to like certain rules that like I feel like only if we were reading the Jack Reacher version of this story by Lee Child and he explained like Dwight's process is like the way he judged the bartender from like the moment he first met him I think that judgment would be a hundred percent revealing to as to why he kept going back because there was a, a lot of I, to me there's so much context in the nonverbal communication that goes on in every episode and especially when Dwight's involved and that that's that idea of like you can't talk about the dirty deed, so you have to learn to read somebody's face about it. So when he started making those pitches about the nitrogen tanks, all we're seeing is a pitch about a nitrogen tank to a main character or to a supporting character from the main character. But like, I think there was so much more revealed in the way those characters were portraying each other or portraying that like conversation because the, the bartender wasn't faced he was like all right I, yeah i'm in whereas like guilfoyle's character was peeing himself the whole time and, and i think that's the big difference i think guilfoyle's character might become a capo because he's starting to finally see the benefits like he just got out of the cops corrupt cops hands yeah yeah the second yeah. He, and, that, and, that was one of the to throw it that was funny face. Like, that was one of the best moments yeah. of the whole episode was when he reaches out his, his hands. He's like, yeah, uncuff me, idiots. Oh, man, that was awesome. Yeah, I also wanted to just to add on to John's point here a little bit about the subtext and everything. Look, I want to give some real serious credit to Sylvester Stallone here. For those who don't know, the reason why Sylvester Stallone sounds the way he does is very, very young at birth. They had to use a pair of forceps. And it actually severed a nerve in his face. So he actually has pretty severe nerve damage there. And it takes a lot of work for him to um, control and move his face to be able to uh, to talk even. Much less convey emotion through that left side of his face. The fact that we're seeing so much and hearing so much subtext from his character when he's talking to other characters. That we're able to make jumps like that is a credit to him as an actor and a credit to the amount of work he puts in as an actor. So and credit, a credit to the directors due. to hit it. Like, cause I didn't know anything about the left thing. I just always heard something about it was similar to a cleft palate. Yeah. Like in terms of his speech impediment, but not as I didn't know about all the rest of it. And to me, that's always been something that makes him even better. It's yeah. like he entered the industry the way like, like, if the American dream was a person, it's Sylvester Stallone, because what did he want to do? He wanted to become a Hollywood actor. How did he want to get there? By any means necessary. And they told him the only way he was going to do it is if he rip, wrote his own script, wrote his own movie, and paid for the whole thing himself. And he did. Yeah. And he kept doing it. And he's still doing it. And, and despite everything he suffered, he still keeps going. And he still keeps doing better. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is everything to look up to. But Dwight is not. And it's so much cooler knowing all this about Stallone. And also being one of the people that can honestly say that, like, no, that he's been a terrible actor in quite a few movies. There's a lot where he is just bad. 
but I have also been such a huge fan of him the whole time that I've persevered through all the bad movies to this. Wow. Yeah. That change. And and, and just, I'm just going to say, you know, I think one of the things that we're, we do on the Ryder Brothers here too is when we find out that somebody's dealing with an adversity and overcoming it, we call it out for the, the amazing work of you know, of effort that it takes. Look, that that's a lot of hard work to overcome, and he's doing it, not just doing it, but he's kicking ass doing it. And that's impressive, and, and, and that's amazing. And kicking ass in everything that he did. He pushes himself as a bodybuilder, as a leader, as a, a producer. Like, he, he's not just one facet of his life and his career. He's maintained a lot of it, and in that essence, like... Like I really feel like he is made, he is representing what we should try to do. Like he's a very good standard, and, and and his movies continue to match that standard. Like Samaritan was the last thing that we just discussed about him, and it was phenomenal. Yep. And then we come and we're like, okay, so Samaritan to this, probably still gonna be a tanky, Sister Stallone. No. No, he's an actual gangster. Like, like he could be in The Sopranos, and he would be any character, even if he just played a bodyguard. You'd be like, yeah. But also, credit where credit's due, he was this good as a gangster in that movie in, from the 1990s. I cannot remember its name, but it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, and it's why I've loved Stone forever. Um, he plays the Don, and his daughter is getting married to a guy he just shipped off to World War II. Uh, it's like a play. The whole movie. I, I ha- I'll i look it up. But Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and check that out and, and, and get back so to us. That's so funny. But... I just remembered it. We've been discussing him for a minute and I just now remember that that was... Yeah, take your time. Um... Yeah, no, a lot of lot of good moments in this episode. Really, just just continuing to move the story along, and and Stallone. Yeah, I didn't, you know, it was a. I wasn't sure how it was going to come out with him being in a role like this, but man, am I glad we gave this show a chance because I've enjoyed every single episode. And yeah, y'all are right. If episode four is the worst that this show gets, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, I can deal with that, right? So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think we've pretty much hit everything that we can. Uh, John, if you can find it, we could also probably uh, your studio and you, I believe. Okay, I, I don't recall or, or remember the only. It's either that or the Good Life. Yeah, the only '90s Stallone product that comes to mind is the obvious one. So anyway, which uh, cliffhanger? Uh, Stop my mom or sh- my mom will shoot. Demolition Man or Judge Dredd? Oh, were there no Rocky movies in the 90s? Rocky Five. Okay. Um, okay, so it was more of an 80s era. Got it. Yeah, no, uh, Demolition Man is one of my favorite movies, especially now because it's aged like such a fine wine. Uh, that's actually what my Xbox Gamer Tag is named after because when I, I was like, oh, yeah, his name's John Spartan. So, yeah, Demolition Man 117. Um, all right, so... With that, we are going to go ahead and uh, go for the, you know, the, the, the less, sort of less exciting part of this show. And that is, uh, for those who don't know, we are gamefully sponsored by CNC Sutlery. CNC Sutlery provides all of your Civil War reenactment needs, whether you need a uniform or a uh, or some camping gear. 
and all of your Civil War supplies, reenactment supplies, everything that you possibly need. Now, you might be asking yourself if you're the first time watching this ad or if you've forgotten because we don't do the ad every show. We just do it when we can and I certainly don't feel comfortable doing this plug on Memorial Channel or on Memorial Days. But if you go to the website, ccsutlery.com, and you go down to the, you got to go to the homepage first, and you go down to the credits section, you'll see, of course, all these different regiments and reenactors that you could find across the United States, and I think some of them are also starting up across the world, too. We ship an international. You'll come down here, of course, to the movies and TV. Oh, we got a new one. Looks like Babylon from Paramount Pictures. Uh, that's also been, I guess we supplied stuff for them. I wasn't aware of that. And I Heard the Bell, so that's another new one. And of course, Emancipation, which just came out on Apple TV, which you can check out. And uh, yeah, all these great other movie titles, even 1883, and I think even some Yellowstone stuff was on here at one point as well. But for all of your Civil War needs, ccsutlery.com. Now, if you also have been following us for this long uh we also decided that for the month of december instead of doing christmas movies every week like we kind of did Wait. with october what's up i found the movie real uh, quick shout out to the 1991 hit cult classic oscar ah it was Oscar. where stallone plays snaps provolone yeah i oh my gosh the movie's so funny watch it if you can it's phenomenal all it's right so dumb. well maybe and we can... actually Actually, PD, I'm going to argue that Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie. Hear me out. Okay? Hear me out. At some point, it's just getting to a point where every movie's a Christmas movie. No, no, but no, go no. ahead. Go ahead. But hear me out. Hear me out. We got a dude with a long white beard. We got elves bringing gifts. Right? Okay? We've got, um, you know, a bunch of little guys running around the whole time. We've got certainly a whole lot of reindeer games. Uh, you know, to use the, the, the joke of it. I mean, dude, it's a Christmas movie. I, I honestly, you could say it is the tale of December into the new year. <laughs> because we have the tale of total darkness eclipsed here in, episode, or in this one, which is, you know, the, uh, the winter solstice right around the, the Christmas time. And that's the two towers, and then Gandalf on the third day, 22 to 25. Uh, interesting, interesting. 21 to 25, 24. Christmas Eve. Riding in white Santa Claus, white beard. But then you also have the Return of the King being the New Year's celebration in that. It is overcoming the darkness and saying the new age will be better. Yeah, and I mean, uh, maybe that's why Jackson so released them in December, because for me, Lord of the Rings means Christmas time because of the December release date and always that, that feeling Probably that every year from to 2001 to 2003. Most schools release their kids two weeks early in December, so like their parents need something to do, and why not the box office, because it's warm, and oh, I guess there is. Why not take it to the most epic Oscar bait no, movie ever made? Story. Let's go back. Now, now, Christmas Story is for the Christmas Crunch special on the 27th. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, uh, this is my favorite Lord of the Rings film. Um, I, I loved it when it came out, and I watched it, like, I think 11 times in the theater. Um, because, for me, it was, like, the sequel to The Fellowship of the Ring, which is badass in its own right. 
but we still had one more movie to go, and the Battle of Helm's Deep is so awesome, and all the, all the, I mean, the Warg battle, the, this is, it, it, what I really love about the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the progression of it. Like, we have very grounded, close combat in the first movie. The second movie, we have... Two Towers video game. Well, of course. I mean, that goes without saying. But, yeah, the video games are amazing. But then we have the next big thing, which is the, you know, then we have the Warg battle, but then we have the big old 10,000 army battle at Helm's Deep. And then, of course, we get the to the two third towers one. Towers video game. The Fellowship of the Ring video game sucked butt. Like, like no, that, no, 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 I, I liked it. There was a lot of hype that came, especially because the two, the, the two Towers extended edition on top of the Two Towers video game. Like, that's why we kept rewatching it. it. was like we'd beat the game again, and then we'd be like, all right, we gotta watch it again. All right, we've watched all of them again. Let's beat the game again. It was a spiral. Yeah. Not a death spiral. No, I, I, a, a spiral of pure happiness and ecstasy. It was, 2002 was actually a pretty good year. Uh, I'll just say that, especially the end of the year. Oh, man. <laughs> if only we could go back, or at least bring some of those... If we could just bring back the simplicity of the mid-2000s, early 90s. That, that's not the reason we're trying to restore respect in a discourse here. The quality of entertainment. That's what we're asking. That's all we're asking for. Like You, you guys can figure out geopolitics on the other times, but the guys in charge of entertainment... Like, let's bring back that stuff because it was yeah good. no and like I said that we we have you, you were right was. though you were right though the Gollum CGI does still hold up pretty well overall I I was very impressed with with that observation um, basically confirming that and seeing myself that oh wow it, it's still good um, of course the use of miniatures still reigns supreme in this and yeah th there's a lot of see I think what I love most about the two towers is we get a little bit of all three movies we get all the especially the extended version right because then we get some of the the gondor themes that come up later we actually get a little bit of taste of what's to come but then we also get a little bit of the callbacks with the hobbit themes and the feeling of oh you know we got to go say you know we got to do this to save the shire and whatnot and oh speaking of the music specifically i picked up on some on a uh on some foreshadowing measures that I never heard before because they're very subtle. And it's the it's the scene where Merry and Pippin are laying down when the when the orcs have decided they need a, a rest for a minute. And he basic you know, as he's talking about the trees coming to life, you can hear the int battle theme. Uh, I think it's either an oboe or a clarinet playing it solo. And I never caught that. But I thought that was really cool that you could actually hear the da, 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 like set up that soon in the film only to come back, you know, when the ants are walking and you got chills and you're so hyped because, oh man, the ant battle is so badass. Ah, yeah, no, Return of the King's great and all. <laughs> it's a lot of cool battles, well, but no. this one still had that personable, you know, closeness. Well, I think that's what the ant battle was to the, the last battle. The big difference. Fellowship. And this one is is the last one has the finality of the ring being burned. So like goodness is on the way. And oh. that 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 kind of finality is like that's where it feels a little bit unrealistic. Like yes, we all do hope that one day you can just get rid of evil by burning a ring. But reality is that no, getting rid of one evil still creates a power vacuum, and you have to properly bureaucrat like bureaucratize government, and that's where we are today. We are we're at the evolution of 
good versus evil, and it's a lot of bureaucracy. Well, but also okay, a lot on, less hold on, murder. Hold on. I actually want to so, kind of hit that because they actually make a point. Gandalf actually makes a point in Fellowship of calling that out. He's like, "Look, evil tends to operate in big, giant, you know, machines of evil. Good is more subtle. Good operates on the small scale." But because there's so much small-scale good, it all evens out, right? And that's true today, too. Right, and, and, and that's... So it's not necessarily that I, I, I think that that makes the third one bad or in, in any way negative. I think that's just what differentiates the love for the second one. Because, like, the love for the second one is still a story of kinship in terms of fighting for your people. Whereas the third one is fighting for all people, and it's like, yeah, we all kind of want to do that, but also I've got shit to do. Well, okay, so here's my take on on why Two Towers actually, to me, works better than Return of the King. Okay? We get combat that is massive scale in both those movies, but here's the trick. In Two Towers every one of the combats still feels like we're following the main characters as they're experiencing the combat as opposed to we're seeing the climactic scale and the reality that our main characters are playing a much smaller role in these giant events. It's the last five minutes of the Age of Empires map match where you're throwing all your armies at them. I have a perfect historical reference for Parker you remember the two towers game when you would die at the black gate or on Helm's Deep and Legolas would die and I actually screamed audibly the first time we played yes. through I, like, I was just thinking about that the other day sadness overwhelmed me yeah and but that's, that's and I made fun of him for a long time after that. Yeah, that's a wonder why we're estranged. Well, I mean, oh, guys, dude, well, guys, it's even better. It goes to show how much I actually care about entertainment and for how long I have, and how much of a legalist fanboy you still are. When they got me with the kill. Well, I, I, and I'm just <laughs> gonna put this out there too because I think this is another like piece you can make. There's a scene at the Battle of Helm's Deep where it looks like the the orcs are like kind of standing outside and like. They're, they're chanting and they're doing the dance. They're doing their, like, intimidation game thing there. And Their like, version of a haka is a pretty bad right. version, too. Right. And then the, like, one Definitely dude who I'm going to name Bill. Con. Because I don't have another name for him. But then Bill lets one arrow fly. And, like, you can see that Bill clearly knows he fucked up. But it happened. And he kind of looks at everyone like, uh, sorry, it just kind of slipped. You know, what's funny is when I watched that movie, I I laughed harder because I think, I don't know if it was the first time I was in or whatever, but at some point in the film, well, I was opening a new bag of Reese's Pieces while it was loud, and then it went quiet. And so all you hear is like some background noise and my dumb ass going, and I'm like, damn it. And then Bill does that later, and I'm like, I feel you, man. I was just right. you. I was you earlier. Right, but we we feel we actually care about Bill from that point on. We're like, oh man, Bill's gonna get 
if he survives this battle, he's going to get a stern talking to, like... Well, I got nothing to live for. Right? Like, the you know Bill's going to get grounded or suspended or something. Right? You're on swords and spears. Actually, just swords. You know what? Rocks. But he's not. Because all, all Bill's going to do is go, Well, that was the first time I ever held a bow. And they're like, right, right, right. You're... you're Farmer Bill. I, I remember that, man. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on, John. Hold on, John, you bring up a good point. Bring up a good point. If I'm Bill, and I'm on the defense, I would be like, so, hold on a second, hold on a second. Why? Besides looking cool in uniform, did we pull, did we get into firing position and just hold it? If we're going into firing position, usually you want to, you know, instead of causing people's arms to fail over time, or sorry, causing people's arms to fail over time, we, we kind of want to not hold this forever, because we're going to be doing this a lot, so maybe let's just, you know, maybe we should have aimed and fired and gone on with this in like 10 seconds, of course I'm standing there going, uh, I can't, oh, and that's it. Are, 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 are we really imagine. imagining that our, our holding our arrows like that is going to be enough to scare off the guys that are the epitome of our nightmares? Well, that's it, right? Like, look. Like, are we just gonna get a stalemate diplomacy meeting, and they're gonna go home no, they, for listen, us listen. in our dungeon? No, no, no. Like, look, we're at the no, final base. No, no. <laughs> they are listen. kicking off. No, no, no. But y you don't understand. Look, the Urukai were just gonna show up at Helm's Deep. They were gonna do their haka and leave. But then Bill kills a dude. Dude, right? they they were dropping off an affidavit. Yeah, like, they, they were just, like, leaving, Sakina. like, a, a writ or of, you know, something. And then the, and then Bill kills the dude, and it's on, right? But, like, the, I, I'm just imagining, like, imagine Bill shows up for work the next day, and he's got, like, a performance review. Right? Like, imagine him, like, sitting in HR, and it's just the funniest scene ever. Right? Like, somebody needs to write this as, like, a thing that happened. Because it would just be perfect. And... You know Tolkien would be like, yeah, yeah, I need to throw that in, if only because it expands this character more. And, you know, and that was what Tolkien would do, right? Uh, yeah, I came across that meme on, on Lotor memes this week. It was pretty funny, where it was like how guys tell a story, and it's <clears throat> it's uh, just a single railroad, and then how women tell a story, it's a switch track with some other stuff, which, I mean, isn't entirely accurate. But then the best part, of course, was the cherry on top. How Tolkien tells a story, and it's an entire trade yard with tracks and everything, and it's like, yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it would be a hilarious thing, but that was one of the pieces that always stuck out at me as kind of hilarious in the thing. Like, you know, the, the Urukai were just going to show up, do their haka, and leave, and then Bill has to kill a dude. And then and everything so changed when Bill attacked. Exactly, right? But... <laughs> A complete rewrite. It's like a, it's one of those American uh, carrying a big stick expeditions where they, like they they've been hawking the whole land. They haven't actually hurt anyone. It's been a parade of power. And Bill was the first guy. That's it. That's it. Like, they were literally just showing up. Language discrepancy. Yep. It's a miscommunication. Sourman Sour was just a, doing a show of force, like, hey, don't come to me. <laughs> Mess with me and you're dead. It, in their language, it's, hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah, like that. We want like, to be your friend. We want to be your friend. Well, geez, it sounds like. 
We Something are terrible. Here to help you. We are here to build for you. We are here to give you money. You we are, are the Borg. We are going like, to improve your life. No, 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 wait. Why are you shooting? No, it's we want you to hear our herbal life pitch. Right? Have you heard We're... about our Lord and Savior Sauron? Have you heard about our Lord and Savior Sauron? We've come to re we've come to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Or excuse me, your horse's extended warranty. <laughs> yes, but you see my point. Like that's what it comes off. Like this, this is part of the fun of this episode because you can sit down and have that kind of moment where you legitimately acknowledge a bit piece character in not a like, dude, this guy was terrible on set or anything. No, he did his job great. But the the whole scene goes, oh man, you feel for this guy almost, right? Well, and that's what I would take it, it even further. I would take it back even further. That's really what Aragorn and Legolas's fight did. Yeah. Is they set the tone for like who's actually fighting. Like these people aren't just like they're not even fighting for their homes anymore. Those have already been burned. They're not even fighting for goods anymore. Those have been burned. They are fighting for their skin. That's yep. it. They they need to survive and they need their families to survive and that's and and Aragorn does that whole like where Legolas yells and and Aragorn like responds back in English like like Legolas is like no we're having a private conversation like I don't want to you know dissuade anybody but then Aragorn yells in English like then I will die with them and, and that's the tone of like okay these people are at complete dire straits. But also, we should care about because that's the worst place anybody could ever be. Like, it, like we didn't get any any like uh, street urchins running through and like making a, a joke out of it and and deserving to die. No, no, like we got all just people there dying already. Yeah, and one... and, and and then Bill fucks it all up. <laughs> yeah, um, and I I do wanna. I do want to also call out something in this movie that I noticed later that was a really good theme too. Do you notice how many like genuinely caring manly hugs there were in this movie? Right? Like how many just congratulations? Right. And, like and, and and I'll never tell Legolas about throwing you. Right, you know? Like th those but those genuine moments of real like friend affection that came through because one of the things that Tolkien made very clear was he was trying to put forward that you know dudes can be friends right and they can show their emotions they can be you know brothers despite you know one of them being a dwarf or one of them being an elf they're brothers they care and about they can each other. Still be killers at the same time. Like they, none of it took away from their strength. If anything, it gave them more strength, more to fight for, more yeah. to live for. Like exactly. that was a, a major part of his message: is that like there is a right way to be friends, and, and that is what Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli are doing because they are three people from three distinct, different cultures, diverse back histories and they've all been raised to not trust or love one another yeah and they have all said we've fought and killed together why not cry and laugh together yeah and, and that's all we get is like that's what real friendship is is like once you know that that person's gonna get your back 
in a fight and, and, and you know Lord of the Rings really helps you decide what kind of fight you get into because like if they help you kill the orcs it's like ah we're really close because those things are nightmares yeah and, and and you went to the nightmare with me and we walked out together like that's like it's like having a friend in your dream yeah you know I mean and, you and, know and, and, and we're watching Star Trek 5 together for the first rather, time oh god like rather than letting that kill you rather than letting that uh, harden you and, and that's where the PTSD comes from it is from taking it all on your own the guys that got through the wars they got through it because they talked about it with their friends and they laughed about it with their friends and they cried about it with their friends yeah. the ones that didn't get through are the ones that had to hold it all in and and that's what Tolkien was talking about because he was in World War One, and he knew <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I I felt this episode, yeah, watching this one in particular, I don't know if it was the way Jackson put it to screen or the way that Tolkien wrote it, but I mean, I really felt this, and I didn't get this really the first time around, because watching Lord of the Rings now versus years ago, I mean, I have a totally different perspective than than when I did as, as a younger kid, and, you know, I really felt that we got Tolkien's nightmare on display. The stuff yeah. that the horrible stuff that ate at him that he had to live with the, the the horrors I think are just better exemplified, you know, in the way that the orcs are put across. And, and I don't and I think that it's it's not necessarily supposed to be you a know, direct analog. It's, it's not right. It's it's like these are his nightmares is what we're watching him do battle with. And yet, how beautiful to take one's own personal struggle and yet turn it into an allegory that everyone can relate to. Because I don't know about the rest of you guys, but holy crap, did I need Sam's speech this week? Because that I that one just hit totally differently. I mean, that's the even whole reason we're doing this bigger, show, you know. Even bigger though is he was smart enough to morph and separate the evil. Like like these weren't elves. These weren't dark elves. These weren't, you know, dark dwarves. These weren't dwarves. These weren't humans. These weren't dark humans. These were something else entirely created out of evil for evil. So, like, even though he knew of a group that had given him these nightmares, he still had the honor and and the, the mental fortitude to not just write a story about them as demons. Right? Or, or write it as like men corrupted by a man that then turned all these men into to evil. No, they're, they're really, really hard to describe. And then you even have the goblins, which are a whole other race that have this other relationship with reality, but they're a lot closer to like if orcs are human esque, then goblins are chimpanzee esque. Yeah. They're not even hardly sentient if they are. And so I think that's like how much effort he put into despite living in a world where it was okay not to. Despite living in a world where it was perfectly acceptable for him to demonize a whole group. And even encouraged. And, and he still wrote about it, it's evil in general that corrupts and, and it's that makes orcs. It's evil itself that then breeds a new race. <laughs> Yeah, and twists. I think that's so, so yeah. awesome. Yeah, and look... The, Except for the, 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 the Night Kings. Power. Power corrupts absolutely. These kings wanted absolute power. They got it. And it cost them their soul. 
And yeah. those are the only human, only men changed by evil. Everybody yeah. else is their own distinct thing. Yeah. And I think I think taking a lot of that too. I also loved the allegories one can draw from the ants attacking um Sauron uh Saruman's tower because what that literally to me was was nature fighting back against industry. And what I thought was important about that, and like the most important piece of that is when Treebeard says, this is the last march of the uh, of the Ents. Because he knew this was going to cost nature its future. But the line needed to be drawn here. And it, they needed to show the, the world where the line was. And that speaks volumes to how Tolkien viewed nature and the earth and our relationship with it. And let's let's paint the picture here, the full picture, because you're talking about somebody who has, this is a rather typically environmentalist perspective. This guy was a devout Catholic. So a lot of the devout Catholics I've encountered in my lifetime don't really give a shit about the environment. And, and uh, you know, I can even extend that a little further to the other Christian fundamentalists I've interacted with. And I've never really fully understood why. I mean, the Bible says pretty straightforward, be good stewards to the land. So it's like, it's it's really important to, to see that, okay, you don't have to fit yourself into a type of ideology at all. You can fit yourself and believe in whatever you want. What, what you choose to believe at the end of the day is between you and your deity or lack thereof of choice. It's not my place to tell you how to believe. It's not anyone on this panel's place to tell you. And I think that's why the Lord of the Rings resonates so strongly with audiences. Because Tolkien doesn't preach. And even Lewis doesn't preach either. He's just sharing his, he's just sharing his ideas. He's sharing his nightmares and, and, and his perspectives. And so, yeah, I think that's a great point, Corion, is the fact that, that Tolkien was a bit of an environmentalist in that. He recognized the importance of of nature and and its power and that nature does need to be respected and acknowledged well i don't know if you guys have seen the tolkien movie um it's like a biodrama of his uh life and i think it there's like so many good things that i thought came from it and i don't know if they were like intended because i've read reviews about it being like pretty biased and to some degree or something um i don't even remember if that part is true i but what i do know is that like a lot of what the the movie um showed was that like tolkien didn't despise innovation and uh and industry in terms of progress towards technological advancements he despised what it had become in world war one which for him was the last great war to end all wars. Uh, and, and, and in that essence, like he watched as entire woods and forests of like lore, like Robin, like all the places in Germany that used to be all the Grimm's tales, right? Those were just devastated by bombs and fire and burning and trenches and, 
and just completely muddied to no love, no forest, no woods anymore. And that amount of like devastation, that's where he what he was really calling to. Is and only Sauron represented that. Everybody else represented a slow, steady, progressive change with nature. Not necessarily killing it like the, the white tree of Gondor. It's the symbol of the capital. The Shire folk live burrowed into nature and they live as farmers of the land. The, the elves are basically one and the same as Ents if they were in human form, right? And, and, and the dwarves, instead of destroying the land above, they go underneath and take care of the rock and manipulate it to their shape because yeah, they're a little bit arrogant, but they also still respect the trees above, right? And, and so what he's talking about is like- The mines of Moria were very structurally sound. Exactly, like they, those weren't falling. Those, those are uh, on the lines of like the pyramids, but upside down. It's just wild, and and yet the people that are doing it wrong are the ones that are doing it too fast and burning for greed. It's like yeah. greed kills is really yeah. what he says about like industry, yeah. and it's and it's gross. Yeah, like he's not saying that growth is gross. He's saying growth too fast for the sake of self gain is gross and that's what the tolkien movie like talked and like tried to illustrate and that's what i got from it yeah so that that's you know those are the pieces that really stuck out to me um you know i i love how they tackled the splitting of the the party um which you know any D player as soon as you mention splitting the party will give you a look like are you insane but you know, this is a case where the party needed to be split. I love how Peter Jackson did it. It's not laid out like that in the book, where in the book, you can do like, okay, these three chapters are going to be from Aragorn's perspective, and these next three chapters are from Frodo's. They went back and forth as much as they possibly could, so that we felt like we were fo- we were still following every member of the trilogy, we were or the fellowship. We weren't just like being with one and then catching up with the other and being with one and catching up with the other, which as a narrative device in a book works, but in a film, it really doesn't. So good job, Peter Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Arende writes in Jackson made the minds of Moria so wonderful. Can you imagine that place at the height of Dwarven civilization there? I love to visit that. And that was a place of business. Yeah, that was a mine. That, that wasn't, like, a castle. That wasn't a kingdom. I disagree. Was a place of business. I disagree. I think it was, I think no, it was all no, of those. No, I think it was their home. I think it, it was It was their castle. For sure. Well, no, because they, the dwarves were really good about respecting one king as the true king of all dwarves. So, like, the actual, like, forbidden city, if you will, was, like, 10x the Mines of Moria as a place of industry. And, like, and even Gimli <laughs> was impressed with Moria. I mean... He's like, he's talking about it and they go, and he calls it a mine, a mine, right? Like, you know, he knows how impressive it is. That, that's what I mean it. by it. That's yeah. what I mean. Is, is, is it oh, okay. supposed to be like an Amazon warehouse in terms of the dwarven like properties? Uh, yeah. So that's nightmare inducing to think about. Yeah, because I just said that's where they live, and and you just called it an Amazon warehouse. So that must be Bezos's next step but, is no, is uh, but, you know but, worker but, housing. But the, 
the the leader of that property built Welcome a to 18 hour shifts bitches to live in. But nobody built a castle to, for them to live in with safety nets with with a great dining hall like he gave them the forbidden city experience at work if anything, that's it would a mark be like for if an Amazon warehouse was set up as inside the Sistine Chapel, like it, it, and was it, also a day spa for yeah, all the exactly. workers on there. Th- these are all wonderfully horrible ideas, guys. Please keep going. <laughs> these are vomit-inducing. Jeez. No, uh, I mean, like, all I gotta do like, is pledge run, allegiance to the penis, and then I'm no, there. No, no. If you if if you run an industry, that's how you should take care of your employees. You should try to make their lives so great that they would rather just live on the property then go home at night but if you can't i do mean that, then wishful like, thinking is wishful thinking not wishful th- like that's a that's what these billionaires should be aiming for like that's why you're making all this money right you're trying to find something to spend it on why not be the greatest boss y- you know what let me offer some counter perspective from where i'm coming from here and that is i lived where i worked on a ship i've been there i've done that You might think it's convenient for a time, and I mean, for the ruling entity, it most definitely is, but for me personally, it's, it's not as, as great. Now, of course, the difference is a ship floating out in the ocean is not necessarily a warehouse that you can just, you know, get off and go party. So maybe it'd be more like an aircraft carrier in that situation. Actually, the, the way I think I would describe it is, have you, are you guys familiar with the concept of an arcology? Have you ever heard one of these before? No. Okay, so the basic idea, we have them up here in Toronto because it gets so cold sometimes. But the basic idea is this. Imagine a big, out from the outside looking apartment building, okay? Only the top, like, 30 floors are actually apartments. Below that is a mall. Below that is the subway system. So you can go from your apartment to, like, a movie theater, then go pick up groceries... And, like, visit your friend by going through the subway and getting to his building. Right? And then come all the way home, and you've never actually had to go outside if you didn't want to. And a lot of the people... Well, okay, when you put it like that... That's what I'm saying. Like, this guy built them a city. Yeah. Not, not, like, all the amenities. And that was a mine. He calls it a mine. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I guess... that, that Did was you? their version of like work-life balance was like, if you guys give me all of your work and all of your time, I will give you a city under the earth to live and vibe in with your families and grow. I just need you to work there on the side, literally. Like, side of this is, is a hole in the Well, ground. John, let me the ask you this. Let me ask you this. Since, since, you did, since you did time as well, did you actually like living on the military bases? No, but again, see, that's, that's what I think it's like. It's, that's, no, but it's, no, but it's no, no, no. To me, it's to the same point. Is like the military bases weren't building us castles. Like he did. He like as far as like the the image that Jackson gave us was that this guy literally built a pyramid under the earth, and it was the size of a small village, and all of these people were living in yeah they were living in barracks, but they were living in a full stone secure safe structure and every time they went to work they came back and their food was there at dinner and every time that like 
There were other dwarves to get the food, but they were the ones getting the mine, doing the mine and running the mine. And the governor of the mine was also the owner of the mine, but he was taking care of his people to the very highest standard I've ever seen. Like, I'm not saying it's ever worked in our real lives, but that's like, why, if you're gonna be aiming to be the greatest CEO in the world, I think this is the actual mark. Like this is what a great CEO would do is they would create a city where people actually want to live and work. And yeah, it's all part of the work and part of the corporate structure. But if the corporate is actually taking care of the pawn as well as the king, finally, like, <laughs> Like that's all anybody at work, like that's all unions are asking for, is that is that the pawn is also given three hots in a cot or the money to a three hots in a cot. And, and no company at the entry level is doing that anymore. And, and, and this king was like, well, I can't afford to give you guys all three hots in a cot, so I'll just build you all cots and then I'll build you a town and then I'll build you like, a full thing as long as you guys are mining while I'm paying for all of this and paying for all of these renovations. Like, uh, uh, it was an actual team effort. The top was taking care of the bottom and there, and that's why like Gimli even like was talking about it. Like, this isn't a mine. This is a castle the size of a city. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just, you know, Moria is dope. There's like, I, honestly, there's like three or four cities I would 100% want to visit in middle earth right you know uh helm's deep is definitely on my list because that place just looks cool as hell and to be able to walk there would be really cool um gondor is just beautiful the it white looks... tower i gotta look over the edge right like you almost kind of want to like do the you know i'm king of the world thing like hanging off of the edge of it right um you know, like one hundred percent, they got to put see, in OSHA guardrails there. But otherwise, it's. I like, want to see one of the uh, those like base jumper dudes that did it off Vegas. I want to see one of them base jump off Gondor. That would yeah, be like sick. Flying squirrel suit and just go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I dig it. I mean, uh, you know, and then uh, the other one is like, I'd love to visit any of the dwarven cities, right? Just any of them because they were all like the engineering marvel of it and the fact that like every pillar in the place is crafted to look like a piece of art in its own right right every functional Cause, cause thing like, has beauty attached to it every worker had autonomy in their work Yep. Like that was that was the beautiful thing about the dwarves is they figured out a way to be like, all right, everybody's going to work. What do you want to do? And that's where it started to go. And so like you, you had your artisans and what did they do? They made the pillars beautiful. You had your miners where they do they mine. And while all of them are doing their jobs, they're slowly building themselves a kingdom to live in. Because like the king isn't like, no, I need only miners. Everybody's a miner. We're going to mine everything. And he's like, no, I, I got some artisans. I got some, some construction workers. I got some, like, that's how cool and good a business should be is like, you should have people from all walks of life so that the diversity builds these beautiful structures. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one of those, like, you get the impression of, yeah, okay, so it has a minor Balrog problem for a while. I mean, 
you know, you it's still a place that even after you deal with that, you know, when you lay some traps out or something, it's still a place well, you kind of want to live. Infestation. Yeah, so you leave out some, you know, so you get a whole lot of cats or something, right? Like, you know, like you deal with these problems. What is goblin poison, if not cyanide? How are the kids going to be allowed to be running through those halls? I'm just saying, like, really big mouse traps to deal with the goblin problem. Like, really big ones. And you 100, and don't, don't I'm even joke. Sure those are just because... called traps, because they're for humans as well. Yeah, but don't even joke. You 100% know that if they put out goblin scale mouse traps, that would be a 100% dwarven thing to do. Like, 100% dwarven thing to do. Because they wouldn't respect them enough to put out, like, you know, like leg traps or something like that. No, no, no. They'd lay out, like, you know, actual, like, giant sized mouse traps, put some stinky cheese down, and be like, trust me, it'll catch more goblins. Right. Now, let's go ahead and take this discussion back oh, to the no, beginning of... Do more beehive traps. Let, let's take this discussion back to the beginning of the show. And, and you know, here's an excellent example of where to draw some inspiration from for a Star Trek TV series, or even just an anthology. I mean, it doesn't have to be this in-depth, though I would love if the Trek universe and, and, and just all of everything Star Trek got to a point of, of Lord of the Rings lore. I mean, it certainly felt like it was working that way over the years, but there's... It's, it's Go ahead. there on the auxiliary. It, 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 like, there's a paper that could be turned into an entire field or an entire anthology. And I think that's what the writers really need to start looking for. Yeah. Now I want Quark's food blog. What? Quark's food blog? Yeah, man. You know, I'm pretty sure if you tweeted that to Armin Shimmerman right now, he might ask to do it. And and I could totally... Okay, wow. I think we just came up with a golden idea here. So, CBS... Or, or not CBS. or not CBS anymore. Whoopsie. Paramount, excuse me. If you guys are watching... This is a good idea. <laughs> because right. I'm pretty sure Armin Shimmerman will, will, will probably host his own channel with his own thing. And, and you don't even have to pay him a whole lot. Because it's probably something he'd enjoy just doing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like Trek-themed meals. I mean, that's probably what you could do to start. But he could literally just share his preferred home cooking. And then ask Star Trek fans to send in their recipes. Holy crap, this is a great idea, Corion. Just <laughs> give him some good podcasting equipment that and and make sure to sponsor his channel and yeah we'll sponsor his channel i mean not with like, money no 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 not you no i'm saying paramount like paramount literally just has to get this guy some really good podcasting equipment maybe a solid like camera setup kind of similar to the minimalist so that way you can see his whole cooking station and he just cooks dinner in a cork outfit while talking like cork and you can have all of the old uh characters just come and visit oh and the cast a lot of them would probably do it too and you're just paying for plane tickets oh, they'd love it they'd be hilarious and oh, you don't even have to do that to do the podcast do it. thing with their friends you could even do it like our show have them cook across country but on the same channel i mean there's there's geez man this is a good idea uh yeah cooking with quark i'll watch that 
I mean, preferably, it's just, no, I'm pretty, let's keep it to like a 15-minute show here. I'm not really going to sit down for two hours and watch Quark, you know, cook while quoting rules of acquisition. Or would I? I don't know. All right, Corion, what have you... Okay. Well, look, like, you just have Straight to have up, him be Quark right while there. talking to everyone. It's right there, gentlemen. Here. Uh, is it... No, it's... But it, it's right there. Here's the post. You, <laughs> it's you been done. You set him up at Quark's bar, except the kitchen is the other side of the bar, and his guests literally come and just sit. And, like, all they're doing is they're talking to Quark, but they are who they are. And he is Quark. Like, he just addresses them the way Quark Oh, oh, in real life, Armin Shimmerman, like, I don't want to say, like, he's Quark and the fact that he's slimy and, and scamming people. No, his personality is very much still in touch with that character. Like, he's... It's like if Quark was a good guy. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, if Quark was a good guy, it's so, Armin Shimmerman. So that, that that's what makes it even better, is literally he's just in costume. Yeah. Like, he he's not even, like, that... Because that's what people would really want, you know? They, they wouldn't want to see cooking with Quark and he's constantly, like, stealing from actors and actresses and guests. But, I mean, they do that, too. Like, obviously. <laughs> I mean, if they leave like, their wallet, dude. Really especially automatic. if you like, if you hire a like a really, really good, like uh, one of those people like can do sleight of hand, and they're like Quark's assistant, and every like so often, like that's part of watching the show is seeing when he stole what and how he did it. Yeah, <laughs> cooking with yeah, Arende. So interesting. Oh Ar- my god. Arende writes in. Arende writes in. Cooking with Quark turns around, asks the replicator. A part extra, or yeah, apparat extra spicy. And that's how it's done, folks. That'll be one bar of platinum. <laughs> well, the thing is, as funny as that is, that is literally, you could open the show with that, like having those graphics, having the food materialize in while he's saying, and this is how we're going to cook Tish today. And and yeah, no, that's that's still a good idea, right? As funny as that cynicism was, that's actually not bad for the show itself. That's how you wrap it every time. Or wrap it that way. Yeah, throw it in the replicator and it dematerializes. <laughs> Gotta shave on energy, folks. Oh, God. He he goes through this whole elaborate thing on making, like, a slug steak or something like that. And, you know, it, it's this whole thing. And he goes, or, if you don't have a kitchen of your own, and he just walks over to the replicator, hits the button, and pulls it out. Right? <laughs> like, you know? Burns every meal and then goes into the replicator and grabs it out. Right, like, you know? Like there's the there's you know that whole time in like shows where they like fast forward during the cook times no yeah. the cook time is actually like when he starts discussing and that's where like some of the shenanigans could go down with the guests and then every single time the ding goes off nothing happens nobody cares <laughs> burns it You're like, oh my god again yeah. are you serious and then he's like and then and then since it's like this replicator <laughs> Yeah, no, this is a fantastic idea. So yes, please, Paramount, greenlight the food blog cooking with Quark. It can be a real thing. I'm sure Armin Shimmerman would love to do something like that. Um, all right, but but John, all it has to do with is Quark that character having his stage set appropriately. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll even just be fine if he does the ears and teeth just to start. It doesn't have to be a full on. Like, eventually, yes, we could progress to the bar. But if they want to do a simple version, I don't care. I'm there for it. I'll watch that shit. Uh, John. Prove that we'll be there for it. 
John, you have asked for some time to give us a surprise video game segment at the end of the show, so why don't you go ahead and tell us what video game you think we should all spend money that we don't have to play. Uh, well, <laughs> that I well, should spend money I don't have. Corion cool. probably could afford it, no problem. That's probably the best part about this. So, I want to shout out High on Life. It's by the developers of Rick and Morty, and uh, they created a... I want to say it's Squanch Games. is a game studio that produced it uh, and actually like developed the product for the game and it is possibly the greatest thing I have spent all day playing. I came out yesterday and I forgot and was tired after work so I played it today on my day off and I was playing it all day. It's so funny. It's like if Rick and Morty made a video game in the Rick and Morty universe and then also bashed the game even though it is exactly good enough quality like it meets all the metrics of a great platformer but then rick and morty criticizing it like everybody wants rick and morty to criticize things all while you're playing the game like morty is your gun the first gun that you get and 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 it is so fantastic because he's not morty morty he's like an actually like He's his own developed character, but it's Morty's voice, so I can't get over the fact that it's Morty. But the the gun itself is trying to get you to take down this, like, cartel. All while, like, dealing with the issues exactly like Rick and Morty universe people do. They're like, ah, sometimes you gotta kill a lower species. <laughs> no, you don't. This is so messed up. And he's like, yeah, this is totally messed up. I'm not about this. I don't. So, like, at one point, you kill a kid. You don't technically have to, but I did. And then you meet the kid's mom, and she's like, well, he's 30, which is still an adolescent in our species, but I told him that if he kept doing that, he was going to get himself killed, so I'll miss him a little. And then the gun, Morty, is, like, talking to you like, oh, that, I don't know how to feel about this anymore. Like, I don't know if we killed an adult or not. (laughs) And that's, like, the game, as you're just playing a standard like doom style platformer shooter but that's the quips you're getting back rather than getting like the this universe everything's important you need to save the the greater guy no you you get rick and morty narrating your experience and your choices and it's so funny i love it so much you guys have to play it it's free on game pass and it was free day one so that's why i really want to take the time to shout it out is that like they created a a a cartoon network adult swim production quality level game and easter eggs are abound that's all i'm gonna say for everything that uh i think it's matt roiland and uh the other one uh are are in justin roiland anything that they're writing justin roiland and his um partner that everything that they're connected to is connected to dan Harmon. whether it's solar opposites dan Harmon. And Justin Rowland. So Solar Opposites, uh, Rick and Morty, a couple mini skits that they've done so far. All of them are Easter eggs within this world at just random points. It's so fantastic. And they gave it to Xbox users and any like including PC users that have Game Pass for free. So if you have it, 100% worth it. It's so funny. <laughs> What do you guys nice. think? Well, Questions, I, comments? I mean, uh, for me right now, uh, <laughs> I'm so poor I can't even afford a free trial. So 
it, it does sound interesting and sounds like something I would definitely enjoy. Um, but what uh, you have any uh, any lines that stuck out to you right now that you want to share? Any quips or something? Yeah. Um, mature warning because it's the funniest thing I've ever heard, but it it does contain a swear. Um, at one point, I fell into this like very clearly acid water, and my gun Morty goes. You know this isn't sanitary. Why would you jump in? Ah, it fucking burns. And then you, like, dematerialize back to your, like, last location. Like, rather than saying stuff like normal, like, ah, ah, hot, hot. Like, no, your gun is such a sass monster, and it's so funny. And you collect all these other guns that have other voice actors, and they're all their own different type of sass monster. Or, like, Hype Machine, this green uh, frog gun that I got. He's, like, this really, like, witty, but very obviously, like, not um, patronizing of the guys. Like, he's like, so, oh, yeah, so the, the, again. the Morty-voiced gun is very sassy? Yeah, but not, like... So it's a Desert Eagle? Not... I wish. No, it's closer to a 9mm or a forty-five in terms of damage. Oh, no, I mean, I mean oh, as far as being a diva and full of itself. Oh, no, that's actually the third gun I just got before, like, tuning into the broadcast. <laughs> she is definitely a diva. Oh, okay. I'm excited. And, I'm actually and, liking and this more now. she's the Deagle power style because she has, like, a time power associated with, it's like a needler from Halo mixed with a time gun. It's insane. It's so funny, though, the way they talk at you. But, again, the guns and everything functions like Doom style. So, like, if you're good shot gonna have a breeze it took me three hours before i died for the first time and i'm playing on normal difficulty so like it's not it's a casual like platformer while also like being a comedy platformer while still being good <laughs> it's it's fantastic i never i wanted it to be this good and i am still blown away by how good it is All right. Well, that's uh, that's what is it called again? The high on life. High on high life. on life in Xbox the game Xbox has. Game Store. Yeah, check it out. It should be on both Xbox Squash and PC game. since Microsoft made the very smart decision to have all of their crap released on PC that they put on the Xbox. All right, oh, I wanna. That was another great quip. They even bashed on tutorials. There was one. This dude pops up and goes, "Press the button on the screen." to run faster i don't know which button it is because i don't know what kind of controller you're using or a mouse or a keyboard or some other kind of hullabaloo like they just the fourth wall breaks are exactly appropriate it's phenomenal nice. nice all right well with that i would like to thank everybody who tuned in tonight and and watched us whether you watched a portion whether you watched all the way through i also want to thank our podcast listeners listening in uh after the fact we do appreciate all the support that we get whether it's uh, viewership, comments, likes, subscribes, any little thing you guys can do to help the Ryder Brothers grow. The, we, we will continue to show up every Tuesday and, and, and try to give a good quality show that we can. And of course, we are open to feedback. Riderbrothers at gmail.com. Pretty straightforward. Um, next week, we will be reviewing the Return of the King Extended Edition as well as the Tulsa King. And, uh, you know, if we pick up something else this week, maybe we'll, uh, we'll let you know via Twitter or Facebook. Um, and, and we'll try to get that out to all you guys. 
um, in case so you guys can watch along. So we love we love watching along with you guys. We love uh, um, having all the community interaction and, and in the comments. And yes, cheers to you as well, Skogly Yoten. Or as I like to say, beer to you. Man, I could go for a beer, even though I'm under the weather. Ah, oh, yeah. See, John's got the right idea. Um, yeah. So, uh, anything else, real quick, guys? We got about, I think, two minutes left before. I know we started a yeah. little weird today because of technical issues. Um. Well, yes. Yeah, so, uh, I saw amazing. this movie. Yeah. Super shout out to the fans. I saw this movie Amsterdam. Um, because we've got a couple minutes, why not just ask on the air? Uh, if you have seen it in the chat, let us know. But uh, it's got Christian Bale uh, and just a list of good people. Michael Myers. Um, it's about the uh, the pro uh, H words from the European country that started World War II. Um, and it was like a, a thing with uh, General Smedley Butler, but they changed the names for the dramatization. And it's something I knew nothing about. And it is phenomenal. So if you're in the chat, Oh, oh Smedley Butler, that's a rogue, that's an entire yeah, Rogue Council match. topic. Oh, yeah. Played but, by, uh, 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 oh man, he, he's, man, it's, uh, not the Godfather, but, uh, I can only think of his Frank in uh he's in Bad Grandpa. Um old old white guy almost always plays gangsters in uh um The Departed. Robert De Niro? I wanna say Robert De Niro plays Smedley Butler in this one. Interesting and choice. Phenomenal. Well yeah, maybe we'll give it a it, it's so good. Christian Bale plays a, a, a doctor um, who went to World War One front lines, and it's basically like a, a spy mixed with a little, like a, a fair bit of comedy. It's pretty great. Okay, I got one thing real quick that I do want to mention. This weekend, I'm going to go see Avatar 2, The Way of Water, and I will be doing a reaction on it for Sunday morning show, going through everything I thought about it. You guys may want to check it out if you're planning on seeing the movie or want to find out what I think of the movie. I more so just want to find out what you think of the movie, if I'm being perfectly honest. I'm like, eh. Well, yeah, fair enough. If I want to watch a CGI nightmare, I'll just go play a video game. Think about it. If you like it, I'll probably go see it. I love CGI. So, yeah, uh, I think that pretty much uh, covers it up. we got about, uh, looks like another minute and a half left. Um, so, yes, Return of the King next week, Tulsa King Episode 6. And then, of course, coming up on the 27th is our Christmas Cringe Special, where we will be doing our Christmas Story double feature, which is with the original, and the new one, which I have not seen yet. And, of course, Jingle All the Way. Uh, that will also be on the on the docket and then uh you know if if violent night hits streaming before christmas we might throw that on there just as a little blurb too because i do want to see that movie but again i can't even afford game pads at the moment oh well such is life sometimes um again thanks everybody for watching and uh anything any last words guys real quick we got yeah we got a couple of give a few seconds last 30 seconds or so before credits roll um love thanks. all the thanks dudes that, out, guys. I... yeah love you all thank you for coming out and uh hope to see you again next week
Bring a friend. Try the veal. Like, have some fun. Yeah. Talk no, to us. We, we, we absolutely. What you think? Like, we really appreciate the interaction. We shout out everybody. Like, we're not arguing. We're not encouraging arguing. We're encouraging love and discussion about our favorite things. That's all we're talking about. Exactly. And and I do love uh, discussing everything with you guys. And, and like I said, uh, you, you people are what make this Tuesday night show worth it, as, as well as, yes, the panelists, the audience, and, and of course, our listeners. Um, so, yeah, I think that pretty much ties it all up. I'm Petey York. I will see you next week. Bye, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Ryder Brothers Tuesday Night Live Show. The Ryder Brothers, restoring respect into discourse.